Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. These guys debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of many given topics. And this episode, we're debating the Mount Rushmore of It Was All a Dream. What does that even mean? Well, this was my topic and um, uh, the probably a very obvious choice that's going to be my first choice that I'm not going to reveal yet. But I was watching a movie and it featured this sort of trope of um, someone waking up and couldn't believe what had their experience yeah. was. Yeah. And I thought, oh, it's just it's just a clever way to um kind of explore the fantastical or to explore on you know, Marvel currently has this kind of uh, the cartoon series, oh, yeah. the what if cartoon series, um that I find enjoyable but I don't care about because oh. I think I just don't care about the idea of what if comics in general. Like mm-hmm. Ever since they kind of started coming out in like the 60s or 70s. Yeah. Like, you know, it's really cool to be like, oh, what if Spider-Man, I don't know. Well, you like Red Sun or you like these other I things. I like Elseworlds titles. Okay. But they feel different. They feel a bit more developed. A what if always seems to be something that's like, I don't know, what if uh, Gwen Stacy hadn't died? And it's like, okay, but then the story's over after 22 pages. And you're like, oh. Okay, well, that didn't actually affect anything. There were no repercussions. And I feel like, you know, watching What If on, um, uh, you on know, Disney Plus. on Disney Plus, thank you, has just kind of, I kind of get that same sort of feeling. Like, yeah, it's the same voice people and the animation's mm-hmm. cool, but like, uh, it's not going to actually affect anything. The first and last episode sponsored by Disney Plus. Oh, but we want to thank them for the brief and glorious sponsorship. Okay, What If. I didn't just say shit all over our, <laughs> our fake sponsor. What if that was all a dream? I think I think that like the and we'll probably talk about a lot of different mm-hmm. things, but I think that um, like the escapism of dreams or just like the um, being assured when you awaken from a dream. It's just it's fascinating storytelling. Yeah, I I think it is also perceived sometimes for something that is very relatable since. When I do dream, I am very often comforted that I wake up and I don't indeed have a high school paper due mm. because I'm a 52-year-old man. Yeah, I'm right. very, very comforted that I didn't wreck my car. So as a human being who has experienced that, it's actually more relatable than saying um, being uh, attacked by a facehugger on a spaceship <laughs> you know, well, with some movies. But isn't it often also the cheap ending for... It can be. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Of course. I think that uh, maybe one of my choices has. There like... may be some of that happening okay. here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So uh, Michael thunk it up, and now the wind to the Mount Rushmore podcast to the, the door to the Mount Rushmore podcast studios has been opened. Is there a dog come in? The dog oh, has hi, come puppy. in. The, the Mount Rushmore dog. The Mount Rushmore dog. Oreo. He doesn't want to be here. Uh, or does? Okay. He just wants me to, to end this recording and come he, he he wants you to. Just constantly try to pick him up yeah. without actually doing it. <laughs> Failed. He wants you to make that effort over and over. Okay, so uh, Richard, what's what are we going to start with? My first one is Inception. Oh, great. Okay, good choice. Um, not just a dream, but a dream within a dream. Yeah. yeah. Or possibly a dream within a dream within a dream. Okay. I still can't figure it out. So. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously we get to the very end scene of the movie after all of these different iterations of dream sequences and going inside people's dreams and all the stuff that's going on. And we're left with that final question. 
Yeah. Did Leonardo DiCaprio's character is 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 he living in a dream right now, or is this actually his real life? And we all know the thing with the the ring that's or the spinning top that's kind of is it wobbling? Is it not wobbling? Sure. We know the whole thing. And I just I I thought it was relevant to start off with this one because it I think it's the most direct sort of play on the trope mm-hmm. of the dream sequence. Yeah. Um. You know, I personally, I had this conversation with my wife, Sarah, as we were, as I was doing some research for the show today. And I don't know that Christopher Nolan's movies, for the most part, I think a lot of them are tough rewatches. Yeah. Like, I don't know that they hold up to multiple viewings. Like almost like an M. Night Shyamalan thing. Yeah, like, like Memento. Like, it was brilliant yeah. the first time I saw it. Watching it the second time, it was like, I knew the trick. Yeah. Um, I feel differently about Inception. I feel like Inception is such a, a, a clever movie, and it's it's actually got something to say about about kind of what dreams mean. Yeah. So I, I, I feel a little bit differently about that. But I, I just didn't think we could, I, I didn't think we could talk about dream sequences and kind of things all being a dream without talking about Inception. Mm-hmm. The scene in Dark Knight where he wakes up and realizes he's Clark Kent was really weird. Right. Yeah. I I think Tenet for me has that same Haven't thing. seen it. Yeah. It's uh Same here. You know, you're kinda kinda shouldering the burden of the filmmaker's gimmick for me. And it, it is it ultimately becomes like a a a really clever trick, parlor trick, and you feel like you're kind of seeing how it's done at the same time you're watching the trick but for me at the sacrifice of empathy for the protagonist and what he's right. doing i just got it right and i think inception is for whatever reason seems to be maybe the exception to that rule yeah and i can't quite put my finger on why it is so for me the uh i always forget what film book i think it was save the cat or something they talk about double mumbo jumbo how uh, with a movie the audience will, will accept a mumbo jumbo <laughs> right but multiple, when, multiple mumbos yeah multiple, yeah multiple mumbos and jumbos like already if a storytelling requires you suspend your disbelief to believe that 24 frames per second is motion on screen and all this kind of stuff but when when you have to do it two or three times right it's like come on <laughs> that's when it gets a little bit fatiguing but uh okay michael what's your first choice uh, my first choice was the inspiration for um, me to choose this, which is uh, The Wizard of Oz. Oh, also wow. on my list. Uh, the movie, not the books, because the books kind of indicate that she actually, she actually did, did go to Oz. Go to Oz. Yeah. Oh. But in um, in The Wizard of Oz, the movie, um, Dorothy Gale gets um, kind of knocked on her head um, uh, in the midst of a tornado and wakes up uh, with her house twisting through that tornado. And as the, you know, her uh, mean... Uh, Neighbor lady, I can't remember her name, but the lady that also plays the witch turns into just a call witch. her the wicked witch. The mm-hmm. wicked witch of the uh, the east flies past her, and she lands in this, you know this technicolor world of Oz, and she goes through and meets all the people that um, befriend her, who are also her like the the you know the kind of uh, farm hands, and all, all the people yeah. that she'd met to that point also become people characters you know in her yeah. in the land of Oz, or most of them do, except for Glinda. Don't know Except where Glenda came from. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Might have been a teacher or something that we don't see. Yeah. But there's, 
uh, you know, you go through the entire uh, mumbo jumbo of the movie and then, you know, she goes back home and wakes up and it was all just a bad dream. And, oh, and you were there and you were there and you were there. But there's that, you know, there's just that moment of like dreams so often have that sort of importing your own uh, memory into them. Yeah. Like they don't come out of nowhere. You don't just dream about necessarily, or maybe you do, I don't know. Normally there's things that you take from your own life that you're putting into into your dream, you know, it can be fantastical haunted house or whatever. And obviously it's land of Oz, but she, she took the people that were impacting her the most, the friends, the family, the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the kind of, he's not quite a gypsy, but he's a, you know, kind of a traveling yeah. magician, yeah. uh, fortune teller mm-hmm. sort of guy, the, her dog, her, yeah. all of it. She just kind of, she dreams it into reality. And then, you know, she's, thankful to come back to it because she you know she didn't know what she yeah she had but the movie's great my kid watched it all the way through for the first time oh really, really? Uh, you know he'd watched it before but he like he'd tune out or whatever he lo- he just couldn't get well, wait to get to the part where the trees were throwing apples <laughs> he wanted to see that oh that's, he loved it he oh. loved the trees throwing apples they <laughs> scared the <laughs> i i uh in my stand-up comedy i had quite a long stretch with my big closer about um the Wizard of Oz and um, and the scariest thing in The Wizard of Oz not being the witch or Judy Garland's drug habit or the flying monkeys or whatever, but uh, the Lollipop Guild. And oh, yeah. wondering, of when's the origin of Lollipop Guild? Because they, even the other munchkins look at them like, who, who are these guys? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they're not even the Lollipop Guild. They merely represent the Lollipop <laughs> But I love that... Uh, I don't know when that story was written, but I, I imagine there's plenty of stories about people on a farm being attracted by a big city mm. like Emerald City. 1920s, is. I 1920s, believe. 1920s, yeah. yeah. And uh, I do wonder how fresh that trope was at the end. Well, what's interesting, I read uh, a little bit about it that the filmmakers added the idea of it being just a dream and all that because they didn't think the audience would believe, would take, you know, you talked about mumbo jumbo. Oh. They didn't think the audience would just believe that this girl actually physically gets transported oh. to the land of Oz. So they turned it into a dream in wow. order to like be able to, for the audience to be like, to reconcile and deal with it yeah. in the you know 1930s or whatever. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Let's, then- let's dumb it down for, for the folks a little bit. Okay. They, they, <laughs> they understand what dreams are. Yeah. Okay. I imagine at that time too, when talkies and color were relatively new that opening in black and white and then the move to technicolor once she uh survives the tornado and lands in yeah outside emerald city i saw a great bit on how they filmed that which is uh a character that wasn't um oh what's her name judy garland judy garland is painted in sepia and she walks up to open the door and she opens it up and it's all in one shot and then uh, oh. she walks through oh, just, wow. just you know in full yeah. color and she, but everything else that's painted behind and the person opening the door wasn't her yeah but they you know made to look that's, like it were just you know trick, tricks of the trade that's super cool yeah that's super cool i like it all right uh man freddie no my i get to, I get oh, to go shoot. again now that's okay awesome one um my second choice is the tv show new heart also oh, yeah. on my list <laughs> Why don't we do this? Why don't I choose a different one and then you can okay. start off? Yeah, that sounds good. Because that made... That sounds kind of weird. Yeah. Okay, we had a d- double-double 
Okay, uh, Michael, what's your next choice? My um, second choice is Alice in Wonderland. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Um, another what? sort of, um, you know, uh, young girl getting... Uh, Conked in the head or something? It's not even that. She's falling asleep like doing her, yeah. her homework. Yeah. At least the Disney version of it. Yeah. You know, maybe it's another way to tell a story of how you can get an audience into like a magical world is like, oh, she fell asleep. We understand We understand how that happens and in at least the disney version of it um she's doing her like her lessons and her mm-hmm. logic lessons with her teacher and she falls asleep and but it doesn't seem like she falls asleep because she immediately sees the white rabbit and yeah. is off chasing him down the the rabbit hole into into wonderland and um again kind of like in wizard of oz and maybe i'm doubling up here maybe to to my discredit is that she starts bringing the things into her her dreams from the real world you know the the alice in wonderland itself tends to be like uh what's the word it's like uh a play on like logic games and logic puzzles sure um i think that the writer was a math math magician yeah (laughs) a mathematician math math dude he was a math some some egghead there's a lot of rhetoric nerd math nerd Playful rhetoric and, yeah, and things. Yeah. That there's like a, a the logicness, and she's always trying to solve the logic of the place that ultimately has no logic. Mm-hmm. So she's taking her lessons that she's engaged in with her her teacher into this world that and it just starts to fall apart oh. until she ultimately, you know, wakes up and is chided for it. And mm-hmm. she's like, Okay, well, I guess I'm going home. Come on. Yeah. The teacher is trying to convince her of the importance and relevance of the lessons that she's learning. And it does seem like all the the characters on the other side of the looking glass all have their stresses. They're all in a kingdom run by this horrible person. <laughs> they all have these these things that are kind of driving them crazy. So it does seem to be a commentary on modern life mm. and the stresses that the people on in, in the real world are suffering under. And I think that, you know, just the... You know, there's an escapism there, but it's an escaping to a world that you you have no control of. You mm-hmm. know, and I think dreams do that. They just they change on you and they mutate and they have their own rules. And you're just um, you have to just deal with. Suddenly, you're you know, you're two inches tall. And yeah. Then the guy's like, "Nope, that table's over there." And she's like, "What <laughs> table? And what thing? And the thing that wasn't there that you swore was there?" And you're you know, that's. Mm-hmm. That's dreams for you. And- I I recall in dreams things having an emotion, sometimes being emotionally grounded, but not physically real. Like it was, you know, it was you, but you were a gorilla. But we were always kind of just pretending like that was no big deal. For some like reason. you were always a gorilla. You're, like, you're always a gorilla. <laughs> yeah. Or this is the Walmart my dad owns, and I I just work here. You know, or something weird. I think yeah. I think in dreams, um, it seems that people tell you what's going on, and you're just like okay. All right, that's the walrus and the carpenter. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. What's we're gonna, next? We got oysters. Okay, uh, Richard, what do you got? My third choice, and I think this is the uh, first one that I thought of when this topic was was broached, was Bobby Ewing. Oh. Coming back in the shower, and basically. Hmm. ruining a whole season of Dallas and invalidating it. I-, I lived through it. I never watched it. What happened? Um, so he had been killed off earlier in the season. Um, early on in the season. It might have been actually the tail end of the last season. Um, because Patrick Duffy, the actor who played Bobby Ewing, 
had dreams of doing movies. Oh. As he had, he had a bit of the Shelley Long complex, I oh, guess. Oh, okay. And he, so he left the show, and the show's ratings really suffered. In the meantime, his movie career didn't exactly flourish. So he actually went out to dinner with Larry Hagman one day. And Larry Hagman was like, basically, we'd love to have you back on the show. And Patrick Duffy's wife basically said, well, the only way you can do that is if the whole last season was a dream. And for some reason, that's what they decided to run with. <laughs> so if you guys haven't, if you guys are a little too young or don't remember watching Dallas, um, the last scene of the 1986 season features Victoria Principal going into seeing someone in the shower opening the door and it's Patrick Duffy who just turns around and says, Oh, good morning. And that's <laughs> for a character who'd been run over by a car at the end of the previous season. Uh-huh. And she just like, <gasps> but apparently nobody at CBS knew that they were filming that scene or they, that they were bringing Patrick Duffy back. Mm. Whoa. And according to Patrick Duffy, they actually inserted the shot into the, end of the episode only like an hour before it aired Mm -hmm. that's how top secret everything was wow and they didn't really address what exactly that meant that he was back yeah until the start of the next season Mm. so Uh, the whole off the whole kind of you know season summer cliffhanger cliffhanger yeah was was it really a dream was he a doppelganger had he really not been dead yeah CBS even went as so far as to uh, run an ad saying, well, one of these three theories theories is correct. You'll have to tune in to the season <laughs> premiere to find out which one. And it turned out that the one that was correct was that it was all a dream. It was all a dream. Which basically meant that everything that had happened the previous season ceased to, ex- mm-hmm. to matter. Yeah. Which it turns out, if you're a fan of the show and you've invested a year watching it and you're told... Oh, yeah, none of that matters. We're just hitting the reset button and going back a year. Even Jenny Lee Harrison's character had been killed off during that season, and they had to bring her back like it, like nothing had happened. Uh-huh. And the show, it didn't help the ratings. If anything, it made it worse. It made fans resentful. Hmm. And that was kind of seen as the beginning of the end for Dallas as this kind of cultural wow. landmark. That's some cool history I'd never heard of. I, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I, I th- I'm trying to think of other things where where they erased the whole season. Have they done anything like that, or even episodes other than the Star Wars? <laughs> Legend, well, I've, got, I've, got, I've got one coming up. Okay, I think I think that okay. falls into that category. Cliffhanger. You'll have to wait till after that. Am I actually time. am I actually dead? Wait Is until Richard wait for my fourth pick to find been out. Been replaced by a cyborg, cybernetic organism. Uh, so we are at our halftime, and this point is when slightly past halftime. That was Richard's third. That was. Yeah. Got a, I see it. Okay, okay. The clock, the clock, uh, clock wow. just never stopped. It just never stopped. The referee sorry, never called timeout. Sorry, dudes. No, we're cool. sorry, my friends. Uh, but I know you want to hear where you can find more Rushmore podcasts. You can download, rate, and review more episodes right where you got the one you're listening to. And then you can also find more by making more. You go out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and then recommend future episode topics that we can then uh, put into our microphones and send out to you. Past suggestors have become participants in the podcast. It was really cool. I hope we do it again. Okay, so Richard has three. Michael has two. Michael, what's your third? My third is The Matrix. The entire world that uh, everyone lives in 
Yeah. For like the, oh, the humanity yeah. basically yeah. exists in this dreamlike state of, you know, their dreams are yeah. the world at the end of the, you know, 20th century. Yeah. Are they actually dreams or are they, is it a construct? Hmm. Well, I'd like to challenge, I'd like to challenge this one if I can. Okay. Ch- challenge away. Throwing my challenge flag. Well, isn't right a neurologically now. implanted synapses and things? I mean, that's what we engage in, right? When in a dream, it's a neurological um, set of impressions that is created inside your brain. Right? Yeah, but it's not created by by an outside force. Hmm. What? Our dreams. Oh, oh, our dreams. Our dreams. Not, yeah, they're not synthetically. They're not synthetic. They're not. They're not. You know. If I have a, if the phone's ringing and I hear in my dream, I'm kind of hearing it from the outside. True. Or so, so. True. Okay. Okay. All right, but that's debatable. All right. Yeah, good, good, good. Asterisk, asterisk. I'm glad I could stay out of it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best part for me is when I, have to, I don't have to fight my own wars. Well, well, the concept anyway is that it, Neo or humanity in general is kind mm-hmm. of you know plugged into this computer program and they are effectively dreaming their lives away, so to speak. If not uh, literally dreaming, they are effectively um, living in this kind of dream world yeah. of you know whatever their reality is. And then, um, you know, at some point, Neo uh, gets unplugged from the dream world. They send this tracer program, which does take the form of um, kind of these Alice in Wonderland type um, images of like a white rabbit and a lot of like, you know, uh, uh, walking through mirrors and things that are just you're they even use the thing, you know, terminology of like going you're going down the rabbit hole and yeah. how far does it go and what is the matrix? All this stuff is kind of used uh you know the the imagery of entering wonderland is used as like uh synonymous with um uh with you know entering the matrix or breaking free of the matrix ultimately so when neo does finally wake up he is shown what i think there's an element to this topic of of being and it was all just a dream too uh, be kind of awakened to your state to uh, to understand what you would kind of you know you'd tra- enlightenment and yeah, awareness what you travel yeah. to and he ultimately uh wakes he awakes to a nightmare where he his dream was the one that was more boring and straightforward and non-interesting and he re- in the real world ultimately was more disastrous and you know apocalyptic and um you know he can't necessarily believe it at first but then he you know obviously gradually accepts and uh you know is then willing to travel back into that dream world to try to fix it or unplug people and uh kind of save humanity so to speak but i I think that there's just that that there's an element in a a lot of choices where you awake from the dream to that it's like a relief that like oh i i got out of it i escaped it i'm uh, i'm back to things being normal and boring and with the matrix they kind of turn it around and he's, he's like oh no the you know, one of the characters can't wait to get put back in. He understands what mm-hmm. reality, the real world is. And he's like, I just want to be plugged back in. I don't, I, I, can't, I can't deal with this anymore. I don't want to live eating, you know, gruel and, I don't know, flying around this cruddy ship. I want, yeah. I want, I want the dream. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this is 2.0. Wasn't the first uh, simulacrum created by the, uh, the overlords a perfect one they're but, like mul- yeah. yeah there was like yeah. mul- there've been multiple matrixes and multiple people that are the one and whoever yeah. that 
have gone in and yeah, basically they, it was too good. It's too good. And people like their brains rejected it. Wow. Cause it just didn't seem real. Okay. That's cool. I, or we got another one coming, right? Keanu matrix four. Yeah. Who's excited for that? Yeah, no, he, seriously. Who's excited? Yeah. For that? <laughs> uh, no, no, it'll be, it'll be good. It's I, good. I, I, I like the preview for it. Cause it seems like, uh, it's Keanu playing, a. A confused guy again. <laughs> Getting yeah. back to that. Yeah. <laughs> back to his roots of just like, what's going yeah. on? Are the Wachowskis directing this? They must uh, be, right? I can't remember which one of them are. I don't know. I think it's Lana. I think she's just directing it. I okay. don't think her sister is um, okay. anymore. Okay. Uh, awesome. So then, Richard, let us know your final choice. All right. My final choice is you mentioned a whole season being invalidated. Um, what about if it was the whole... Uh, series itself. Mm. Um, so my final choice is the finale to New Heart. Also oh, on my oh. list. There you go. <laughs> the finale where Bob Newhart, after his character, uh, winds up getting hit in the head with a golf ball because the entire town that he lived in had been sold to make way for a golf course. Um, gets hit in the head with a stray golf ball and wakes up in bed with Suzanne Flechette, his wife from the old Bob Newhart show. And declares that he had this crazy dream that he lived in Vermont and owned an inn. Yeah. And that also he, she should start wearing more sweaters. Yeah. <laughs> which is the kicker. And I was I was a huge fan of Newhart when the show was on the air. I was 14 when the, uh, when the finale aired. And I remember laughing. Because also the Bob Newhart show was on Nick at Night at the same time. So I had started watching that oh, as well. Oh, cool. Mm. So I was familiar with both shows. Mm-hmm. I'm and I'm just a huge Bob Newhart fan. Yeah. And just full stop. And I just remember laughing so hard mm-hmm. at the the reveal of Suzanne Flechette being in bed with him and that it was all like this big dream sequence. It, one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a TV show. Yeah. Just a perfect way to end a series. Yeah. A series that was more surreal and weird than you remember it being. Hmm. If you oh, go back, right? yeah, if you go back and rewatch it, there's just a lot of weird stuff. Like not surreal necessarily, but just, I mean, you had the brother, Darryl, Larry and Daryl and yeah. Daryl, and that was weird. And a lot of stuff that was happening with Tom Poston's character, he was an odd, oddball weirdo. Mm-hmm. It was it, it wasn't a straight sitcom. Yeah, put it that way. What I think is great about the ending, as opposed to the Dallas one, is it doesn't invalidate the entire series it still happened all the characters were weird and strange and and everything and it just adds a little extra flavor to the idea that because dreams often have that um you know that time element that you don't necessarily it's not it's not one to one it's rarely one to one where you're in a dream for you know, you're asleep for six to seven hours and you're dreaming for six to seven hours. Yeah. You're dreaming for 20 minutes, but it can be an entire day. It could be whatever. Mm -hmm. So the time element of, it was all just a dream and he could have dreamed all of this. And this is, is, uh, you know, one, he kind of wakes up and he's like, it's like coming out of a nightmare for Mm -hmm. him, but that it, it doesn't take away what had happened the way that it did on Dallas when it just writes off. And then you continue to go on as if that didn't happen. That's what's I think mm. where Newhart was successful. Right. It put it like a nice little coda at the end of the show. And one final like punchline to say, Oh, all this weirdness that happened in Vermont 
Well, that's all in my head. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if uh, everybody who knew, who knew the entirety of Newhart's career, but I think by the time Newhart was doing this, he the idea of a comic doing his act and then a comic being a person who you would put into the construct of a sitcom and then those being somewhat interchangeable was probably in the popular vernacular so that the idea like Gary Shandling <laughs> where he's mm. he's Larry Sanders he's Gary Shandling he's it almost seems like, we, like we're well, all winking the sitcom is just a it's just it's a set that, that pops up around him right Bob Newhart is always playing Bob Newhart yeah in any role that he ever had, he was yeah. basically doing the Bob. He might as well have picked up a phone in every episode, yeah, and just started talking to someone off camera. Yeah, the wacky neighbor was going to be interchangeable. The wife was interchangeable, but we we know he's a stand up comic who's mm. yeah who's this this is a tableau that's being constructed around him. Uh, early Bob Newhart was saying he wanted to be Bob and Ray, but his his the other guy in his comedy group left. Oh. So he he instead that's of, how he invented the whole the telephone gag telephone gag yeah I think Shelley Berman or somebody was doing it too but like it was a way to get a, a partner in his comedy routine or to or to keep these sketches that he'd written that <laughs> that's wild percent sketches <laughs> um, that's wild. but yeah that's a funny that's a funny thing too it's also um, were they on the same network those shows I forget yes they were both yeah. on CBS yeah that's a lot of fun okay hey. Uh, we did it, you guys. And we had... Or did, or we? did we? Or did we? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, our dream is that you keep listening to the Mount Rushmore podcast. So please don't let us wake from that. We appreciate you doing it. My dream is that um, Michael will even go farther down this kind of young fiction of, of, with female protagonist rabbit hole. Because isn't it cool that there was a time when authors were writing stories about women or young girls being curious and exploring the world. It seems like those stories are few and far between now, but we'll go with Alice in Wonderland uh, and then we'll go with Wizard of Oz. That's a, that's a double for these guys. And two stories where female protagonists are out there mixing it up. And uh, I guess we're going to go with Newhart. And then the fourth one would be Patrick Duffy, because I got an education on that. I didn't know uh, that big cultural landmark actually existed. So, uh, guys, it has been a fun evening. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> was it or was it? Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore of uh, Southwest Flight 747 going uh, to Dallas-Fort Worth. Please buckle up. We think we had a strong headwind, so it may take us just a few minutes longer, but we should get you in there in time. And uh, as always, I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Yay!